Let's get real. This is America WK with Andrew WK on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello and welcome to America WK. My name is Andrew WK. And this, believe it or not, is our 20th episode. That's right. 20 weekly episodes. I suppose that's not that many in the grand scheme of things. I was speaking with a gentleman last night who was recording his 300th weekly episode. And of course, there are people who do a show every single day where they hit 300 within the space of one year. But regardless, this humble show has had an incredibly positive impact on my life. And I could only, only hope that some shred of positivity has been felt by you. If this is your first time listening, I hope that this episode gives you a dose of good feeling because that's what this episode is all about. I need it. I really need it. I turn to this weekly conversation with you with the hopes that it makes me feel better about life because oftentimes I'm in a situation in which I need that boost. And this week is no different. In fact, this week, I'm sorry to say I've been feeling a darkness creeping in, a looming sense of negativity around every corner. And perhaps it's a feeling of darkness descending on the world, or perhaps it's just descending on my soul, or perhaps those Two are one and the same, but I wanted to focus this episode on pulling out of that feeling, shaking it off, or better yet, working through it, facing it fearlessly, and finding light within this black shadow. I'm on tour right now. I am, in case you weren't aware, a professional, well, Gosh, it feels strange to call it that, but yeah, I'm a professional rock and roll musician, and touring is one of my great joys. But sometimes with touring, although I actually won't even say that because I don't think the feeling I'm feeling now has anything to do with my profession or with my particular circumstances at the moment. That's the strangest thing. Actually, I love doing what I do so much that I normally would find it uh, helps me get away from bad feelings, helps to change those bad feelings into good feelings. Playing music, for crying out loud, that's my go-to method for getting cheered up, has been for as long as I can remember. So maybe it has nothing to do with traveling. Who knows sometimes where these feelings come from. Perhaps you're feeling the same way. I'm certainly not hoping that you feel bad. But if you do, let us share that feeling together. Let us share that burden together and let us transmute that feeling together into something more. As we've talked about in past episodes, I often think that these bad feelings are some sort of sign of a transition or some kind of new era beginning or an old era ending 
significant. They, they, they signify something. I don't believe that these feelings are ever meaningless or without purpose. And perhaps that's just a way to find forced value in them, but certainly feels better than thinking it's all just for nothing. So coming in to today's show, I really wanted to pick a topic that would, without fail, cheer me up, make me feel better about life, not even make me, reveal the truth about the inherent goodness in life to me and to you in such an undeniable way that we would gain the proper perspective, put things back in their proper place. Because oftentimes the shadow, the darkness, the negativity, it distorts more than anything else. It distorts reality. It distorts the beauty of the world, turns things ugly that are beautiful, and makes us see things that aren't even there. So the topic today, with this in mind, is a very basic one, but one that we haven't really gone into before. I've been trying to cover the sort of primary aspects of life in our conversations here, focusing on very basic ideas, very basic areas of experience. But one that we haven't really gotten into is today's topic, which is really a dual topic. It is children and animals. That's right, children and animals. Now, we've talked about animals briefly when we were talking about sort of the different levels of the human spirit. And I've certainly mentioned children many times, uh, largely by discussing my own childhood. But we've never talked about these topics in a discreet, focused way, giving them their own space. And I think they relate very well to one another, uh, despite our doubts about how they connect at first glance. Because when it comes to making me feel better about life, to cheering me up, to raising my spirit, few things are as reliable as a child or an animal. In fact, just the very idea of childhood and the very idea of the animal kingdom sometimes just gives me that that sort of slap across the face, actually. That kind of wake up, shake me out of my confusion. The pure, undiluted goodness and joy of a child is one of the most powerful things that we can ever encounter. And the natural, inherent purity of an animal, even the most vicious and frightening animals, is extraordinarily inspiring and deserves our deep admiration, or at least our respect. And I see both children and animals bonded in their ability to change the way we feel. And I feel that we also have a very close, ongoing, lifelong relationship to our own childhood and to the 
animal kingdom that we are and are not a part of, that we can and cannot relate to. Animals remain extraordinarily mysterious in how they operate and how we cannot relate to them, but equally staggering and how much we can understand about them and how much we are able to relate to their mind in as much as it's very different than ours. And so let us focus today and go through as deep as we can, not only into childhood and those experiences or into the experience of animals and how they live their lives, but into the very idea of what these things signify, what a child represents, what an animal is symbolic of. Because there is a pure truth to be found in both of these creatures, these beings. It's hard to think of a child as a human. In many ways, they just seem far beyond human far above humanity in their purity. They've emerged from wherever that space of creation uh, resides and in a way descend like an angel descends from that lofty, perfect place into humanity. And animals seem to exist in a similar space, closer to creation and to that truth. Stay with me. Don't go away. This is America WK. America WK with Andrew WK, the undisputed king of partying. On the Blaze Radio Network. Severin. I don't understand the particulars of the lag time and the build time and the ready time and all those things because I don't need to know those things. What I need to know is, is it good for the Americans? And this isn't. This is bad. This is very bad for us. Jay Severin. Weekdays, 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Now, the king of partying himself, your friend and mine, Andrew WK. Welcome back to America WK. This is Andrew WK. Thank you for joining me for another installment, another attempt at getting to the heart of the matter. And few things get to my heart more directly than children and animals. That's today's topic. And again, despite them seeming rather unrelated, I feel that children and animals both have this mysterious and palpable power, this ability to bring out the best in the people around them in adults, in these grown-ups that we claim to be struggling through existence. 
children don't generally seem to be struggling. Even when faced with hardships, they generally play. Animals don't even seem like they necessarily could conceive of a struggle. I mean, in a way, their life is nothing but a struggle, and yet they seem to live in a sort of carefree state, adhering to their natures without fail. And when we interact with these phenomenon, the phenomenon of a child, the phenomenon of an animal, it brings something out of us that is good, that is true. Whenever we find something like that in life, we must stop, take note, fathom it, respect it, and try to figure out ways that we can include more of it in our lives. I mean, music, as I mentioned many times, that brings out the best in me without fail. But most of us can look at a small child, baby, a toddler, or a cute animal like a puppy or a kitten, and feel a radiating goodness beaming from out of them, simultaneously beaming out of our hearts and connecting in the world, the space between us both. And that's the space actually where it's needed most. That love, that goodness, that truth that goes beyond description, that goes beyond reason, that goes beyond logic, emerges from out of each other, from out of the child, from out of the animal, without effort, without intent. Child doesn't try to cheer anybody up at that age, you know, when it's two years old. If it does, I mean, it's coming from such a subconscious place. Why is it that, I mean, this is really incredible. Why is it that a child is born, you know, the majority of the time, Good and kind and loving. That is the default setting. You'd think in a way, it might be more likely that the child is born mean and nasty and angry and cruel and then learns how to be nice, learns how to be good, learns how to be kind. It's the exact opposite. What does that tell us? What does that tell us about that space of creation from which everything emerges? That life comes from this place where things are good. There was ever proof that life is meant to be good and actually is good. If we can see through all the nonsense, it is proof right there that a child emerges with love in its heart. It is only through further experience, further error, further miseducation further negative experiences that teaches it to doubt those feelings, that pushes it away from that truth, that goodness, that love that came first. The primary quality that we all come into this world with is love. That is incredible. So naturally, seeing a young person who is closer to that space of true love who still is made of that, who came with that when they came into the world, 
is going to remind us of that, connect that part of ourselves that maybe still has a trace of love and connect it back with ourselves, connect it with our mind, connect that part of our heart that is clinging desperately to those feelings of loving kindness and goodness. And reminding us that those are the first feelings. Those are the truth. Everything else really doesn't matter. Not compared to that. It matters in a way, but it doesn't matter compared to that. That's the, the, the breath, the air, the oxygen of life. Of course, other things matter in life beyond air, but nothing matters as much. You can tell that quite quickly when it's cut off. And when we are cut off from that true love, we're not going to make it. So there's something about encountering these, these beings, these angels, because I think that, again, there's something about animals that bring this same feeling out of us. I, I, how could anyone encounter a small young animal and i'm obviously i'm thinking of the undeniably cute animals the kittens the puppies the baby horses baby cows baby ducklings baby chickens even the hardest coldest heart can't deny their appeal maybe just like babies human babies it's their vulnerability not just the innocence, but their physical vulnerability. They need to be cared for. And so it brings out that care from us, the, the desire to protect this fragile, beautiful, wonderful thing, this miracle, this angel that emerged from creation. And that somehow by protecting this animal or this baby, this precious, cute thing, we're protecting ourselves. And somehow by protecting this one child, we're protecting all children. We're protecting the spirit of all children. Protecting the spirit of all humanity. Because all of humanity starts with the child. We should never doubt these feelings or feel embarrassed about them. Especially for men out there who often feel that somehow engaging with these types of feelings is somehow less masculine or less manly or something to be embarrassed about or ashamed of, that a real man doesn't like cute and cuddly animals and a real man doesn't really care about little babies or doesn't really think they're cute. I think real men need those feelings more than ever. Real strong people, men or women, are the ones that are able to open their hearts enough, to be strong enough to open their hearts, that vulnerable part of us all. Strength is not about closing off and protecting ourselves. Strength is about developing such power that we can open ourselves. And children and animals open our heart. Don't close it off just let it happen let them do it even if it feels embarrassing or awkward or someone's gonna make fun of you for thinking a little kitten is cute let it be open let yourself 
be moved. It's America WK. I'll be right back. A party for being alive. This is America WK with Andrew WK on the Blaze Radio Network. The Jeff Fisher Show. Buy a car. Get on an airplane. Get married. Purchase a gun. Adopt a pet. Apply for a hunting license. Apply for a fishing license. Buy a cell phone. Visit a casino. Get a prescription. Buy an M-rated video game. What do all of those have in common? The Jeff Fisher Show. Saturday morning, 6 to 8 Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. show restoring your faith in humanity through the power of positive partying. This is America WK with Andrew WK. Welcome back to America WK. Today's topic is animals and children or children and animals. And I chose today's topic because I need this good feeling. I need a dose of of loving kindness and joy. I've been feeling shadowy negativity surging all around me. And there are few things that have the ability to lift my spirits like so many other people than uh, animals and kids. They're just pure joy. What a gift. And to think that we once were that child or still are that child, which makes much more sense, and that we, in many ways, are still very connected to animals in a mysterious and very perplexing way, I think helps to inform us about who we really are. And I remember hearing a few years ago about how children, the majority of children up until believe the age of four, are more or less obsessed with animals. To the extent that the majority of a young child's dreams, when they go to sleep and they close their eyes and they have dreams, those dreams are about animals. Their world, in a very inexplicable way, revolves around animals, a fascination with animals, but even, it seems more a a deep connection, bond, and familiarity with animals. And that makes very little sense in a rational way. How would this child that has very little familiarity with anything, as far as the world goes, how would they have this, this seemingly deep connection to an animal that they might not have ever encountered before. Why animals? I mean, it it seems it must go back to this space of creation from where this child just emerged. Whatever life is, whatever this spark of energy and vitality is that makes matter come alive, that makes a person get to exist, that makes an animal get to exist, I guess makes plants able to exist. Anything that is living and growing 
it makes sense that those things emerge from one common ground, one common yet unknown phenomenon. We, all we know is that it exists, but we don't know what it is or how it is or even where it is. And maybe we don't know why it is, but it is. This thing that makes life exist is there. And we've all come from it. All living things have. So in that way, it makes perfect sense that children would have this existing relationship to animals even when they're first born. They seem, in a way, to connect more to animals than they even do to other people. But it is mysterious. And we can see this, of course, when we examine what children respond to. I mean, there's a reason that the majority of children, especially young children, like animal cartoons, animal toys, animal mascots. I mean, look at the cereal boxes, animals all over the place. And yes, they're anthropomorphic. They have human attributes, but that makes sense in that a child can relate to it even more than it's a, a humanized animal. It's like the best of both worlds. Children love animals, including actual real animals, although they may be a bit more apprehensive. It's more the concept, the archetype, the idea of what an animal represents that a child has such a connection to. It brings out the best in them. It's like their friend they always had. Imagine a, a young child dreaming and dreaming of these animals. I can't remember uh, the dreams I was having uh, very clearly from that age, three, four years old. I remember having fevers and I remember some of my fever dreams because those were repetitive and happened over and over and over and over again. And, there were, and despite the, the extraordinary delirium that set in with the fever, I was able to kind of walk away with, unfortunately, actually, these really awful memories of those fevers. But I do actually have most of my early memories revolving somehow around animals, whether it was the family dog. We always had a family dog. That's some of my earliest memories going back to two, three years old. I even remember this uh, stuffed animal toy that I had that my dog was also obsessed with. It was this toy that was given to me when I was, I guess, two years old. It was a little yellow giraffe. And the dog, our family dog, Tavish was his name, decided this was his favorite toy. And we sort of shared it, or really it became his more than it became mine. I remember this stuffed gorilla that was sort of the number one toy that I loved at that age. Uh, as I discussed in our episode last week, the first memory I have of ever seeing a movie of any kind was Bambi. I mean, Disney has always been very well aware of the this this connection that children have with animals. And I leave that to you to ponder. I'm sure there's tons of research out there, but it's really difficult to know. Much like it's difficult to know what is going on before we are born... It is difficult to penetrate coherently the thoughts and internal experiences of a child. It is, it's, it's miraculous. Uh, and even the most articulate child has difficulty expressing that inner world. Perhaps what's most exciting about 
a child's mind is how much it does exist and find happiness inside itself, inside its mind. It, its world is the inner world. Its life inside itself is the real life. And it knows this because it came from that. We get so caught up with what's going on around us that we almost lose track of what's going on inside of us. But what's going on inside of us probably is real life and everything else is sort of inconsequential. With all due respect to everything else, it can't hold a candle to the inner life. The outer life is only significant in how it affects the inner life. The outer life is only real in as much as it impacts the inner life. And the child seems to have an extraordinarily developed inner world, a, a connection with the inner world because that's all they have. It's almost as though they're blind to an extent to this outer world and not due to ignorance, but perhaps to a, a deeper natural wisdom that they haven't lost. How can we retain that? How do we hold on to that part of ourselves? I like this idea that we always are children. Not the inner child. It's more than that. We're the same person. It's, it's still the child. It, that's, that's what we started as, and that's what we are. All the changes are superficial. Changes in appearance. Changes in ability. The core is the same. This is America WK. Uh, I'll be right back. This is America WK, hosted by Andrew WK on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. This week's show, busier than a one-legged man at a butt-kicking contest. We've got a sharpshooter who splits two cards with two bullets, only pulling one trigger. How does that happen? Plus, a Blaze editor experiments on herself. And a guy wonders, what's in the First Amendment? Most people don't know. Don't miss it. Pure Opelka. Saturdays, 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern. On the Blaze Radio Network. Radio show restoring your faith in humanity through the power of positive partying. This is America WK with Andrew WK. Welcome back to America WK. Today's topic is children and animals. And we've been talking about different aspects of this, but more than anything else, it's these, these creatures' ability to positively impact our lives. There are very few people who can see a playful, laughing child and not feel a wave of happiness. A wave of good feeling that actually goes beyond happiness. A wave of truth. Of, okay, here's what really matters. Here is life. And in the same regard, there are very few people that could see a playful, scampering puppy running around with a gleam in its eye and not feel a very similar sense of, of well-being, uh, a sense of rightness 
in the world, a sense of clarity in a confusing and overwhelming world. Maybe it's just how easy and simple everything appears to be for that puppy. And we long for that simplistic joy. I mean, so many people that have pets, they really would love to live vicariously and perhaps do through their pet in this life of being cared for, being massaged, being well-fed, getting to rest and play. That is a joy. That is this beautiful life. Not to say they don't have their own challenges, their own inner ordeals. Who knows what the inner life of a cat might be. But I believe we love to serve these animals and give them that life because in a way we're trying to give that to ourselves. These creatures bring out the best in us. And we've talked about how very young children have this seemingly existing natural bond to animals. They're born already friends with the animal world. And if we look at the very far other end of the human life spectrum as a person is aging and getting close to once again returning to that place from where they emerged, there seems to again be this deep natural understanding with animals. It is not uncommon for animals to be used with the very elderly population simply as a way to make them feel better, to cheer them up. And the effects are staggering. I think you can quite quickly, with a very small amount of research, find tons and tons of studies about the therapeutic, the deeply powerful therapeutic effects of animals. And not just with, with someone who's sick, but someone who is, who is older and otherwise feeling alone or feeling, and I guess, fear as they approach whatever it is that death is. Something about this relationship with the animal, I think, is more than comforting. It goes beyond comforting. There's some kind of power there. There's some connection to truth, something that is comforting on such a profound level that it, it, it takes away the fear because it, it tells you, again, that there is something more. There's something more, something more important, something more real, something more good than we could ever know or experience here. But it is there. And that's where we came from. It's always been inside of us. And that's where we're going. The animal is that. The animal lives in that state. What a blessing for the animal to only be that truth. Animals are truth. They can't, no animal has ever been cruel. Think of that. You know, humans in many ways are above animals, but we also, if we choose to, have the potential to be less than animals, to be lower than even an animal because no animal would intentionally be mean to another animal just for the sake of being mean. It doesn't exist. Animals don't have the capacity to do anything other than be themselves, to be natural and be good in that. It doesn't mean they don't kill. It 
but they kill as part of an inherent goodness rather than kill to inflict pain, suffering, torment, and cruelty on the others around them. Ponder that. Consider the superiority of animals in that regard. We can strive to learn from them, to be our best as effortlessly as animals are able to be their best. And much like animals can cheer up older people, so can, so can babies. I mean, you, I have seen it. I have seen the crabbiest, most angry and sad-looking old men completely transform into almost babies themselves in the presence of children. They lose all inhibition, all stiffness, all all the residue of the pain of life vanishes. And all that's left in them is their wisdom and, and their joy. Any joy that they've accumulated over their life is brought to the surface in the presence of that child. It's, it's absolutely incredible. It's, it, it should be worshipped. This phenomenon should be worshipped. This phenomenon is the most adorable thing that we have. This phenomenon is love. This is experiencing love in no uncertain terms. This is America WK. Stay with me. I'll be right back. This is America WK with Andrew WK. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Coming up on Pat and Stu. They're trying to figure out if she goes to jail. I've got to read that. I read about that because I where thought that case was over. Where do they put him slash her? Well, first of all, Kate's not going to jail. Uh, Bruce is not going to jail. Uh, yeah, no, Bruce, they're not going to put Bruce Kate in jail. Uh, not going to happen. I don't not going to happen. I don't oh, know. my gosh. No way. Pat and Stu. Weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. This is a no-holds-barred celebration of being alive. America WK, with your friend and mine, Andrew WK, on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to America WK. This is Andrew WK, your host. And I just wanted to say, already, just halfway through our episode here, already I feel better. I feel an incredible amount better than I did before. This is how I cheer myself up doing this show with you. And I could see in a way how that maybe is selfish. Maybe that I rely too much on this time with you for my own purposes, my own needs, my own hopes to feel better about life. But I really hope that you get something, some bit of of that too. Hopefully a lot. I would be thrilled if you felt it even more than I did. But at the very least, I hope it's not just lost on you. I hope that whatever you're going through, 
I want to be able to relate to it. We want to be able to relate to each other. It is one of the most basic needs, basic desires in life to not feel alone, to not feel that your experiences are isolated and cut off and disassociated from what others are going through. And while it may be difficult to describe some of these feelings, some of these deep inner feelings, it's hard to put words to them. But just talking like this every week, it makes me feel better about life. Talking about life, thinking about life makes life feel better. Makes me feel better about living life. Never, never, never be afraid of that. We don't need to close off those feelings. And however you can get to it, whether it's, you know, hanging out with me or talking with someone else or just sitting and talking with yourself inside your mind. Have some way to go to that place in life. Have some opportunity that you give yourself as often as possible to connect those feelings to something. You don't, they might not get resolved, but just acknowledging them, even in their wrongness at times, even in their badness, Acknowledging them in a, in, a, in a non-judgmental way, I think is good. I think it's more than good. It's crucial. It's how we are going to survive. And today's topic is definitely a survival mechanism for me. Children and animals, two sources of reliable joy, I'd say for the majority of humanity. Gifts. Angels here on earth that we are only so fortunate to get to learn from and to get to encounter. Because you can never fully understand an angel. You can only experience its glory. And the glory of the joy of a child, the laughter of a child, the playful exuberance and truth of an animal being itself these are miracles and fathoming them encountering them even thinking about them is fathoming encountering and thinking about truth now this radio show in case you haven't noticed rarely touches on current events Primarily because I feel like it's already been covered by so many people so well. Really, by hundreds and hundreds of other radio shows, TV shows, newspapers, magazines, computer media. It is covered. The current events are covered. But, like many people, I recently saw the toddler boy, the migrant, the refugee, who was washed up in the tide on that beach. And I wasn't going to mention this, except for the fact that today's topic is children and animals. And it was only a few days ago that I had a particular experience with that image. 
like many people, it was an unavoidable image for many days. And I saw the photo everywhere, really, especially while traveling. And like anyone, I was completely devastated, just horrified and broken on many levels. But it wasn't until I was in the airport and saw on TV the actual moving video footage of the waves gently washing over this child as it lay face down, only to then be very gently scooped up and carried by this adult rescuer. Seeing that moving footage was shattering. That hadn't, it might as well have been an, an entirely different experience. Because I had seen the photos, something about seeing it moving. I, I, I broke down. Actually had to uh, remove myself from the airport waiting area and go into the bathroom and uh, just sobbed, as sometimes happens, out of nowhere. The pain of that image, I think, was revealed as truth once I saw it as video. It was no longer an image. It was a, a real person. And, of course, that little boy's name and story deserves to be known. But also that little boy, in his anonymity, even just as a little child, not a boy or a girl, represents all children. And his loss represents the loss of all children. And the sadness, the crushing sadness of that event represents the crushing sadness of all events. The pain of thinking about that, it's easy to not want to think about it. It's perfectly reasonable to not want to think about that, to not play that image or that video clip or even imagine being there, to not want to play that over in your mind. It's easy to take issue with people who broadcast it over and over again because it is so painful. But that pain is the feeling of your heart opening. That pain is the sensation of truth emerging from that child and connecting to the truth inside of us. And it's painful because it has to cut through a lot of nonsense. It has to cut through a lot of lies. It has to cut through a lot of secondary stuff that stands in the way and weighs down on the heart and keeps it closed. It's like opening a door against a very heavy weight or against a mountain of garbage. Anything that can open your heart like that, even when it's very painful, it must be done. And it must be faced, must be confronted, and it must be held onto. No matter what your views are, no matter what you decide one should do about something like that, about that child, the child must 
be encountered. It must be confronted and it must be continuously confronted. That's strength to be able to do so, to be able to confront that over and over again forever. I'll never forget it. I doubt that you will either. And that's the point. Don't want to forget that. We forget that. We forget what humanity is. We forget that. We forget everything that matters. Let your heart be opened even when it hurts. Say a prayer for all the children that boy represents. This is America WK. I'll be right back. This is America WK featuring Andrew WK only on the Blaze Radio Network. Rabbi Daniel Lappin on demand. All the drownings in the Mediterranean over the last couple of years have involved migrants trying to get from Africa or the Middle East to Europe. But nobody has drowned in a desperate struggle to get from Europe to Africa or the Middle East. So there is obviously something unique and special about Western civilization. Rabbi Daniel Lappin on demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Undisputed King of Partying invites you to a no-holds-barred celebration of being alive. This is America WK with Andrew WK. Welcome back to America WK. My name is Andrew WK, and today's topic is animals and children, or children and animals. Not that they're interchangeable, not that they're the same thing, but they are two of the strongest examples of pure joy and truth that I could think of. They are angels, the living equivalent of goodness. And the most incredible thing is that each of us, no one exists that hasn't been a child. In a very real way, it's the one thing we all absolutely have in common. In terms of experience, everyone has had that experience. It's a very easy way to relate to people that are otherwise difficult to relate to, to remember. Even when in moments of extraordinary conflict, irritation, uh, disgust, that really what we're dealing with is just a bunch of children who want to be loved. And I think one of the highest forms of ignorance occurs in adults who feel that they aren't children, that somehow they've become more than children. In those cases, unfortunately, I believe that it is the opposite. They have become less than children. And that seems very illogical, very counterintuitive to imagine that growing up involves becoming less than what you were. But unfortunately, so often it is the case because the most precious gifts, talents, and skills that we were born into being possessing are often lost, discarded intentionally, 
or buried deep, deep, deep inside in favor of what we would consider growing up, being an adult. I let uh, you yourself decide where you stand in terms of being a child, holding on to those parts of yourself. I've met people that have no memories of childhood at all. Their memories start more or less around the end of high school, 18, 19 years old. The memories they have from that era are not really memories. They're more stories that they were told, that they had uh, explained to them by relatives. And I have a lot of empathy for those people. Oftentimes they don't want to remember their childhood for fear of the pain that may be associated with that time. But if anything, that's even more proof of how important it is to hold on to that version of us that may have been damaged, that may have been abused. The lowest, lowest, lowest thing that any human can do is to hurt a child. And it's very telling that even the most brutal criminal adults have more contempt for those other criminals that have hurt children than they do for any, anything else. Why is that? Most likely because those criminals, they themselves were hurt as children. And that's probably why they wound up living the way they did. It is the most despicable thing that I can really imagine. And in keeping with the topic of our show, people that inflict unnecessary pain and cruelty on animals are pretty much equally despicable. And no one else does that except humans. No one loves humans more than I do. And it is because of that love that I'm so disappointed in us including myself, when we stoop to that level of cruelty. What is the problem there? Maybe it's just this fascination with our own powers, our power, the power, the potential we have to do so much good, and then this fascination with our potential for, for bad, for cruelty, for harm, for evil. We just can't get over it. It's so tempting. I don't even think the temptation is knowing that it's wrong and, and doing wrong for the thrill of it. It's just the thrill of exercising these abilities. Learning to hold back, learning to control those impulses, learning to redirect those temptations. That's, that's growing up. It's not losing touch with being a child. It's staying in touch with that part of the child that would never do anything to hurt anybody when we lose track of that that's when we start to become cruel and mean and experiment with those lowest parts of ourselves there is value in seeing how low you can sink if only to never sink there again sometimes that's what it takes 
But a child doesn't have to do that to know that it's bad. It just exists. Now, I'm sure many times throughout this episode, you could be thinking of examples when children are awful or children are bad or children have done this or well, I've met some kids or little devils and all that. There's no need to pick apart these otherwise undeniable truths. The inherent goodness of a child is, cannot be debated. That's not my point here. Yes, of course, at some point, children experiment with being awful themselves. But that's an anomaly. And that's part of the unfortunate process of becoming an adult. We don't have to always test ourselves to uh, use every trick in the book just because it's there. So let ourselves be children perpetually. Super children, really. That's what an adult really is. An adult is a child with more ability, more physical strength, more experience to draw upon. An adult is someone that can carry out the will of the child. Whatever a person is born with, the adult's duty is to see that what was there from childhood is brought into fullness. That's the obligation of the adult, to make the child's dreams come true, to make the child's will into a reality. Not to thwart the dreams of that child, not to escape from the mind of that child, but to realize the goals and aspirations of that child's soul which can be a lifelong process or a process spanning many lifetimes depending how you look at it it's more than the inner child the inner child is just an unfortunate way of describing how how repressed how cut off and how distanced we've become from who we really are the inner child is just who you are who you've always been but thinking of it as a separate or somehow uh, disconnected aspect of oneself is, is absurd it is you it always has been this is America WK stay with me be right back a party for being alive this is America WK with Andrew WK on the Blaze Radio Network Salcedo. Just because I, want, I believe you should come into my country legally doesn't make me a racist. Just because I believe that we are a country of laws that should stand on those laws doesn't make me a racist. It doesn't make me a hateful person. And I will say it to anyone in the political class, whether they be Democrat or Republican, I will have words with anyone who says differently. Chris Salcedo. Saturdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Show restoring your faith in humanity through the power of positive partying. This is America WK with Andrew WK. Welcome back to America WK. Today's topic is children 
and animals. And let's get into an aspect of animals that uh, we've, I don't think we've ever talked about. I don't think we've ever touched on. I've talked about it before. I've written about it. But basically, what do you think about eating animals? Now, I myself have been an omnivore. I have uh, been, you know, a very heavy meat eater. I was raised a meat eater as a ch- child eating meat, eating animals. And then uh, I became a vegetarian only to then become vegan uh, during high school. That lasted about, oh, four to six years with the last three years probably being, you know, very strict vegan. Not eating any animal products, not eating any cheese or milk or eggs, butter, no meat, obviously, no fishes. And then I decided to stop. It wasn't a gradual decision. I just decided to stop. I believe that probably a lot of the reason I started eating meat again was because a main influence in my decision to become vegan, vegetarian, all that was uh, the girlfriend, the girlfriend I was dating, the first girlfriend I ever had in high school. And her family were very passionate uh, vegetarians, bordering on vegan and gave me some great literature to read. There's a fantastic book by Dick Gregory, incredible comedian, incredible all-around individual. And he wrote a great book on not eating meat, I believe called Healthy Cooking for People Who Love to Eat, or something like that. I had, it was just a little paperback they had, and there's, all, there's actually a lot of recipes in it, but I was mostly inspired by his own story. He, he himself was a very heavy gentleman for a large portion of his life, very heavy set and, and, and unhealthy. And he got into this extreme vegan, vegetarian, healthy eating, and it changed everything about his life. More than his weight and more than his health, it changed his soul seemed to be from the way that he wrote about it in this book, the passion with which he spoke about this experience. It was in many ways, one of the defining moments or the defining experiences of his life and reading his words and feeling that excitement that he had, that energy and the clarity and enthusiasm that he had for this way of life that it really, it changed me. I mean, that was a real example of reading a book and having it change the way I wanted to live. And so uh, I really owe it to not just Dick Gregory, but to my girlfriend at the time's family and her for even introducing me to that book and to that mindset. Of course I had been familiar with vegetarianism and being vegan. I had lots of friends who were, but I just didn't, uh, didn't have that missing X factor that made me want to do it. And then, as I said, when I stopped doing it, when I stopped not eating animals or animal products, it was a rather gradual process. I remember the first thing I ate was a swordfish. First thing I ate was swordfish, then started introducing cheese and milk back in. 
uh, butter and things like that. I mean, it, it, of course, the, the, the first thing is it's, it was just so much easier to eat because I didn't have to avoid all these commonly used ingredients. But I will say, and have always been honest about this, I've remained extremely conflicted about eating animals. And when I decided to start eating animals again, I knew that I would be making that choice in bad faith. And it's remained really one of the only areas in my life in which I have that kind of conflict. And sure, there's plenty of areas where I know I can do better, where I want to improve, where I feel like I'm not doing my best, where I am letting myself down, when I've gone against my beliefs, gone against my integrity, not held to those inner principles that I want to live by. But this one of not eating animals has been a very clear one, one of the clearest ones. And I don't really know what to do about it. I've talked to friends who have said, well, it's the will of the animal to be eaten. The cow was born to be eaten. And of course I said, well, how the heck would you know that? <laughs> have you asked the cow? I highly doubt the cow would tell you it wants to be eaten. If it could, it doesn't seem like it wants to be eaten from the way it's reacting to me. I've talked to people who said it's just the, it's the chain, the, the food chain that humans are at the top. But of course, we know that we don't have to eat all these foods to survive, that there is a level of preference because we enjoy these foods, but we can't escape the pain and cruelty involved in the whole process, in the slaughter, in the death. There's people that say it's, you know, if you hunt the food yourself, if you raise the food on your own farm, if you slaughter that pig for the bacon that you eat, that's a very different encounter than going to the grocery store and buying it way down the chain of production. Of course, you're not encountering then the gruesome experience. I mean, if you've ever seen slaughterhouse footage, I don't have to explain to you. It's, it's hard to not be affected by that. And yet I've still been eating meat against my better judgment. What does that mean? I've just, I guess I've just tried to be as honest as I could with myself to know that I was participating in something extraordinarily dark. Or even if it's not dark, that it involves suffering. And maybe in that way, it made me try to be extremely grateful and very aware of the sacrifices involved in what I was participating in. Just so I wasn't pushing it out of my mind. But to know that I am eating this dead animal that didn't want to die, that probably was in pain, that probably didn't have a very good life just so that I could eat this food, to try to think about that all the time. That seemed like the only semi-responsible way to take part in this, this food process, this eating animal choice was just to be really aware of it. Still doesn't feel quite right, though. How do you feel about it? There's many ways to approach those sorts of situations. Those times when you're doing something that you know isn't somehow right, but it isn't bad enough, quite bad enough to, to pull back from, 
people to this very day have asked me why I stopped and that I should go back to being vegetarian or vegan. And I don't disagree with them yet. I haven't done it. I don't really have much to say about it beyond that. But I wanted to bring it up because we've been talking about animals and talking about how much I love animals and how much joy they bring. And then here I've just been eating them, planning on going and eating some in a few minutes right after I finish this show with you. Very puzzling, very troubling, or maybe not. Something to think about, though, on America WK. I'll be right back. You're listening to America WK with Andrew WK on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss the morning blaze with Doc and Skip. Did you ever see the images of, uh, of Kim and Kanye, by the way? I did. She is a house. Beyond pregnant, she is a house. Is she pregnant in her butt? Everything seems to be kind of uh, coalesced down in like that general... People do carry babies different ways. Apparently she carries it in her ass. The Morning Blaze with Doc and Skip. Weekday morning, 6 to 9 Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Listening to America WK with Andrew WK. Welcome back to America WK. This is Andrew WK. We've talked about children and animals on today's show. And I want to leave you with one final thought about this, about this topic, this dual topic, these two similar yet very distinct realms of life forms of life that are related to and yet very different from one another, different even from the rest of humanity, because children, rightfully so, are held apart from the rest of the human experience because they deserve to be. They are the best of humanity. And it's strange that they emerge that way. They just come out that way. And animals, in terms of living things, more than plants, more than very simple life forms, in terms of life forms that have a mind and have some form of consciousness, they also represent some naturally good, higher version of this life principle. And we don't need to always order things really beyond that, but we can admire the, uh, these qualities that both children and animals possess effortlessly. Qualities that they did not have to develop. Qualities that were not earned the hard way or learned or taught. Qualities that just are. And that's why it's so important to try to retain those qualities in terms of being a human being, starting as a child. We don't want to lose those naturally good qualities. And when it comes to animals, what can we learn to be inspired by their naturally good qualities? You know, there's a debate that I've found very interesting about the idea of the soul and whether animals and children have souls. 
Now, it, it, it seems a little absurd to assume that any living conscious being does not have some version of what we would call a soul. But some have argued that children are too young, too inexperienced, have accumulated too small of an amount of life to have what we would call a soul, that a soul is built over time. And similarly, some argue that animals just don't have a soul at all, at least in the way that fully developed humans do, because they don't have consciousness or a mind that thinks or perceives or reflects the same way as a fully developed human. But all it seems to me that it requires is looking into the eyes of a baby or an animal and you can see a soul. You can see a being. You can see the life force right there. How can you not look into the eyes of a dog and not sense some presence or the eyes of an elephant and not sense some wisdom, even a baby elephant? There's, there is a palpable presence of truth coming through those eyes. Anything with eyes actually seems like it must have a soul. Now, is that just because we're relating to having eyes ourselves? Is that why children can seem to have souls? Some children seem to have very old souls. Does that mean they're reincarnated or are we just imagining all of this? I think that we can trust our deeper intuition on some of these sort of unknowable aspects of life. And the reason we think that animals have souls is because it just feels like they must. Accepting that type of instinct is a sign of faith. Having faith that all living things in some way have a soul, or perhaps even more importantly, are part of one giant soul overall. Sharing a soul. And that is where these connections come from. That is where our affection for an animal or a child comes from, because it is us. Because we're sharing the same soul. We're different shoots off the same branch, different flowers on the same plant, with the same roots connected to the same ineffable life force. And seeing this quality in these beautiful examples of life reaffirms the beauty inside of us. That's always been there may have gotten buried, may have been brutalized, may have been lost or discarded, but is still inseparable from us. It's always there and always recoverable. We must stay close to that joy. Whether you get it from the joy of a child, whether you get it from the joy of an animal, whether you get it from the joy of music or anything else that has that inherent true goodness to it, know that that is you. That is not apart from you. That is you. That thing is not to be found outside of you. That thing that you're finding in it is in you already. And that is why you can relate to it. And that is why you feel something from it. 
So stay close to those things. Worship those things. Be humbled by those things and let those things remind us that even when life is hard and the darkness is closing in and shadow and negativity seems around us on all sides, that there is still beauty and joy in these things that cannot be denied. They make life worth living. They make life possible to live. Thank you so much. This has been America WK. I'm Andrew WK. And I love you. Talk to you soon. This is America WK with Andrew WK. Only on the Blaze Radio Network.